You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Amen. Take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 6. Excuse me, Acts 9. We'll go to Acts 9. <clears throat> That's a great song. I appreciate the fact that we've got a number of military folks here. Appreciate your service for your country. But you know, that song's not just talking about first responders or military. That's talking about every man that can make a difference in our country. And um, God's looking for all of us that will, will be willing to stand. Acts chapter 9, we'll start at verse 22. <clears throat> but Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which were dwelled at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him, but their laying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates uh, day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. Let's pray. Father, we just pray that you'll challenge us. With this simple message tonight, simple illustration, and Lord, every one of us need to understand how important our role is, regardless of how old, <clears throat> as we support the man of God, his family, and build a work for you in our communities. And so, Father, I pray you'll just bless this evening. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. <clears throat> Appreciate the opportunity. Of course, we missed... John, when he left, and Tracy, Tracy's graduate also, and, and all of you have no idea how much of a debt you owe her. You've heard, you've heard the phrase, restraining influence. So um, you'd be thankful for her, but she's been a blessing, I know, in your ministry here. Uh, we missed when Dad and Mom Che left, Brother Sue and Nancy, uh, their blessings to us. We've been friends for years and years and early 80s, I think. So, excuse me, early 90s. But Sue was my supplier. <clears throat> Cindy and I spent two years in Korea, and I love Korean food. But when us white people go, they don't make it hot enough. Amen. Right? So any of you that like Korean food, I, I like it. So you sweat, and your nose runs, and the whole bit. But they don't do that for us white folks. So Sue would go to the Korean restaurants and order the spicy hot chicken, and he'd go Korean style. And then he'd bring it to me, and I'd, my nose would run, my eyes would water, and it would be great. You just got to be careful about rubbing your eyes, then you're in trouble if you do that. But, <clears throat> but I appreciate the chase so much. They were a blessing to our family. And it's exciting to see how the God is using our kids now. That, and, and we try to take no credit for that other than the mercy of God. And we appreciate it so much. <clears throat> well, after 15 years in the military, a lot of my message ended up being tilted that way just a little bit. And I, and I want to share an illustration, a story with you tonight that I think is incredibly appropriate to what's going on around here. <clears throat> One of the things that I enjoy doing, uh, I've jumped out of airplanes. Uh, in fact, we saw C-130 as we were coming down. Uh, along here, and I jumped out of those C-141s, uh, but I enjoyed rappelling also. Rappelling's always been a fun thing for me. I can't understand people that rock climb. It's too much work climbing up when you can just rappel down, you know. <clears throat> but we did primitive rappelling and did a lot of that, and I was the rappel master at the University of Iowa. I was there four years teaching ROTC. 
when we were at Brother Larry Brown's church in Washington, Iowa. Uh, you know Brother Brown. I don't know how many of your folks have been retired now for a while, but preaches out. <clears throat> and um, I was a rappel master there, and my job was to teach rappelling for college students that wanted to go. And the way we did it was we, I, we, we jumped with primitive equipment, which was basically a rope, and then we'd cut a rope up and make a Swiss seat out of it. And then we'd take a snap link like this, and put that snap link in the seat that we had and roll it around so that it was sticking out in front of us like this. And then we'd wrap the rope around there and jump off a wall or a cliff or whatever the case may be and rappel down. It's incredibly safe as long as you tie people in correctly. It's very safe. You can go halfway down and there's a guy at the bottom that's got a hold of the rope and all he's got to do is take a step back and pull the rope just the slightest tightness and that individual's not going down that rope any farther. You can spin, flip, do whatever you want to do. You're not going anywhere. And then when he releases the tension, <clears throat> you can continue to slide on down. Now, the person that's doing the rappelling, they, the rope comes in through the snap link and then comes around their waist, which is one contact point. Then you've got the rope in your hand in the small of your back like this. And as long as your hand is in the small of your back, you're not going anywhere. The friction points are too, there are too many friction points. So all you have to do is take and swing your hand out to the side a little bit like this and kind of make an O in your hand. The rope will go through. You've freed this friction point, this friction point, and it's just this one here, and you can slide down, and you can control how fast that you slide down. Like I said, it's very safe. I've jumped hundreds of people doing it. <clears throat> and so Brother Brown said, Brother Mike, if you knew Brother Brown, he just bounced off of walls. You know, Brother Mike. He says, we're, 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 we're. And in the cornfields of Iowa, they ran 800 people. An amazing work. He says, Brother Mike, we want to we we have a big day. We want to have a big day. I'm going to fly in some guys, and they're going to parachute out of the, the airplanes. And I said, I want, I want you to take and, and jump some of these guys off of, there's a, a six-story school building. So I want you to jump them off the school building. This is 60 feet. So they want to jump you off, have you jump some guys off the school. I said, sure, Brother Brown, we can do that. We do it all the time. And so I brought some ROTC guys down with me. I had a, a young guy that was my assistant rappel master. And I was on the ground, and there was probably five or 600 bus kids out there. <clears throat> and so I was talking them with a megaphone with what was going on. And uh, the, the assistant rappel master was up at top tying them in. And what happens is... <clears throat> As long as, as long as you lay the rope into the snap link and then come from the anchor point to the snap link and do a second loop, then the rope keeps the bar, the hard part, up and you have no problems with it. Unfortunately, if you come from the, the trail part of the rope and wrap it in, it will flip the rope on top like this and the gate opens. And, and, and said, I've done hundreds of people that way. I've never had a problem with it. So we're jumping guys off this 60-foot building, just having a great time. I'm talking to the kids about it. And, and, and <clears throat> all of a sudden, I'm talking to the kids, and nobody's coming down. Nobody's coming down. I'm talking to the kids, and nobody's coming down. I look up there, and a guy had come over the edge. He was down about 10 feet and had stopped. <clears throat> and, and I'm talking to him, looking up there, and he's looking down at me. <laughs> 50 feet off the ground. And I'm looking up at him, down at him, and, and I can see he's kind of motioning, and the guy had tied him in wrong. And the gate had opened. Now, what happened was, as long as the gate is like this, you still have a complete closure. But you release the slightest bit of pressure, and that gate opens, and in the process of opening, the rope comes out and they fall. So he's 50 feet off the ground looking down at me. That gate is like this wondering what to do. 
Well, we got a rope story here in Acts chapter 9. And what you've got is the story of Paul. <clears throat> Paul has just gotten saved. He was headed to Damascus. He was, your preacher was talking about it a little bit this morning. He had, he had what he thought was the greatest job in the world. He was trained by Gamaliel, and because of that, he was, he was an ardent supporter of Jewish law and was rooting out anybody that had anything to do with that. And he had gotten permission to go up to Damascus, and apparently there were some synagogues up there, but a bunch of Christians that were worshiping up there, and he was going to go up there, and he was going to go ahead and persecute them. Now, his, one of his big tricks was he pretended to be saved, and he'd come up to a group of Christians and say, Hi, I'm Saul. Just want to let you know I got saved. I'm now a Christian, and welcome me into your group. And as soon as they did it, he'd call the authorities. They'd come and grab them and carry them off. And they were getting on to him about it. So he decides he's going up to Damascus because there's a bunch of Christians up there he can persecute. He's on the road to Damascus. He gets hit with a shining light. The Lord addresses him at that time. And I think on that road, Saul ends up getting saved. He makes it up to Damascus, and he meets up with a guy that's up there. And while he's up there, <clears throat> uh, Ananias, who's also very skeptical at this point, but the Lord says, no, he's okay. You can go ahead and take him and, 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 and support him and help. And, of course, Saul's blind right now. He got blinded on the road. And he says in three days he'll get his sight, so uh, go ahead and take him in. So Ananias takes him in. Once he takes him in, we start hitting this passage where we're at right now. Because after three days, he gets his sight back, verse 20, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. <clears throat> you have to understand just how skeptical everybody is for openers. Because here's this guy that's persecuted Christians. He loves it. It's one of the joys, passions of his life. And he's good at it. And now all of a sudden he's a Christian. And they're really wondering what in the world, is this, is this true or not? And so Ananias is trying to get him and, and get him into the group of folks theirs. And at the same time now, Paul, Saul, before he's called Paul, Saul is starting to preach. And now the religious leaders are really getting ticked off. Because here's this guy that was after these Christians. Now not only is he converted, he's preaching for Christ. And they're really getting upset, so they're after him. And what happens here, verse number 23, And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their lying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates by uh, gates day and night to kill him. And then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. <clears throat> we often think of Paul as one of the great Christians, and I think maybe one of the great Christians of the New Testament time. But this story, Saul is not the hero. In this story, there are some guys that says that the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. This is the story of rope holders. This is the story of the man of God getting in a basket and he's going to get lowered. Now, these walls, folks, were not walls like this right here. These walls, son, some of these cities were 100 feet high. We're not talking little walls here. And Saul climbs in this basket and the Bible says these men let him down the wall in this basket. Now, <laughs> Saul probably wasn't a really big guy. Probably was five feet tall, 125 pounds. <clears throat> but stop and think for a minute. You're going to climb. Now, rappelling, that's one thing, because I got all the safety gear and all that kind of stuff. But he's climbing in a basket, and four guys are e -e -e -e, letting him down the wall. What do you think Saul's attitude was toward these four guys? I have a feeling he had faith and trust and confidence in them like he had in nobody else or he would not have gotten in the basket. And the message tonight basically is, who you got holding the rope around here? 
You got a pastor, I said before, jail or ministry. <laughs> your preacher was always wide open one way or another. And you're either going to go with them or you're going to go against them. But he can't do it alone. His family can't do it alone. They have to have folks in this room who are going to be willing to hold the rope as decisions are being made that are tough. Don't you think that was a tough decision on Saul to get in that basket? You're going to do what? My guess is the four guys suggested it. <laughs> and he's going, now we're buddies, right? Yeah. There's nothing between us, right? Right. <clears throat> and, 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 and he says, you, you want to do what? He says, they're coming up the stairs. We got to get you down. Get in this basket. Do what? Get in the basket. Folks, these are human beings like us, okay? They don't super spiritualize these folks when they're just like us. So he says, okay. Now, you got to know, his confidence in them had to be such that he felt they would not let go of that rope unless they were dying. And they would do everything they could possible to hang on to that rope. Well, take your Bibles now and jump over to Revelation chapter 3. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, let's look at 15 and 16. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. I think we got examples of rope holders in those two verses. <clears throat> and let me just, let me just, I'll be sharing a couple things about my own testimony. And please understand, it's not because I'm, I'm bragging, it's not because I'm boastful, it's simply because I know me. <clears throat> we had the opportunity when we were in Korea, the, the Lord gave us the opportunity. To, to start a church there. We got over there. There's no good church there. A buddy of mine uh, had, it was a helicopter pilot, had gotten there a year before me, he calls up and says, you got to try to get over here. We don't have any kind of a church. There's nothing we can go to. And I said, well, I would like to go to Korea. So I called my branch. They said, sure, if you can get there in two weeks, you can go. Now, that was okay for me, but Cindy had to sell the house, pack the bags, get the dog, get the kid, all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and it was kind of quiet around the house for a while. <laughs> So we go to Korea, we get over there, there isn't a good church, so we started a Bible study on a Wednesday night, then we started, uh, and it, it jumped up about 20, 25 people, started another Bible study at a different place on a Sunday night, jumped up to about 20 or 25 people, and then a third place, a chapel came open on post on Sunday mornings, so we started a Bible study there. <clears throat> so we had three things going on, and we said, well, this is crazy, let's just kind of put them all together. So. We started having these Bible studies Sunday morning, Sunday night, and on Wednesday nights at, at different places. Then we consolidated them all at, the, at this one place. And so I'm on the phone talking to Brother Brown. I'm trying to get him to come over and, and preach some meetings over there because I didn't want them to think I was the only screaming idiot that was out here. <clears throat> and so I'm talking to Brother Brown, having him come over. And I said, we don't, man, I don't know what we're going to do. We don't, have, we don't have a church over here. And he says, well, let me ask you a question. He says, do you have services Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? I said, yeah. He said, do you have Sunday school? Well, yeah, we have an adult Sunday school and a little kid's Sunday school. Okay. Do you have a choir that sings? Well, I guess some people get sing special music. <clears throat> do you have a nursery? Yeah. Well, yeah. Do you, do you have a bus ministry? Well, we've got a van goes around and picks people up. He says, well, what do you call what you have? <laughs> and in 1988, we started Youngstown Baptist Church, which last I heard is the largest church to the American military in Korea right now. Now, don't, don't you dare clap, 
because that for, for soldiers in Korea, it is almost always a one-year tour. It's called an unaccompanied tour. You go one year and you're out of there. So we had to build the church by 100% every year. We had to grow by 100% every year to stay the same. Now the Lord worked it out where I was in what they call a key and essential billet. And so what that means is they needed me to stay there for two years. I was the, the strength manager for the theater. I assigned all the soldiers that came into the country. <clears throat> and in return, I could take my family and bring them over. So Cindy got to come over with the kids, and we were there together in Korea. That was in 1988. On their third year anniversary, we had been there too. And on the third year anniversary, one year after we left, we got a video of their anniversary gathering, whatever you want to call it, and heard their testimonies. And the testimonies were, we have no idea who those people were that started the church here, but we're sure glad they did. And, and for 20 years, we've traveled around and have been, visited churches like this and had people come up in the right after the service and say, wait a minute, what was the name of that church you started in Korea? Young Son Baptist Church. says, I went there in 1999. I can't tell you how many times that's happened. And folks, it's not because of anything that I did, but it's because there were a group of people, and I was, I, act, I was a pastor. They nominated me as pastor. But folks, I had a full-time job. I worked 12 hours a day. I worked six days a week. Often was in the field. A lot of things. There is no way in the world I could have done everything that was needed to support that work that was there. I preached on, I, another guy taught Sunday school. I preached Sunday mornings. Another guy preached Sunday night. And, and I preached on uh, uh, Wednesday night. Or excuse me, another guy preached on Wednesday night. <clears throat> I had two of them, whatever they, whatever they were. And the guy that preached on Sunday night uh, had been saved a while, but was just getting his life back together. But was a very high-quality individual, sharp guy. And I said, listen, I can't preach Sunday nights. you got to do it. He says, me? He says, I don't know anything about preaching. I said, well, I don't either. But, you know, we got to do the best we can here. Folks, bear, would you bear in mind, I've never been to Bible college. I just run one. <laughs> All right? Go figure. God worked that way. <clears throat> he says, well, what am I supposed to do? You remember the sword of the Lord? I know you guys got Revival Fire. Sword of the Lord is another one like that. I said, here, just take one out of there and memorize it and quote, preach that. Okay. And so he, on Sunday nights, he'd come up there and he'd have his, now he wasn't perfect. He says, yeah, the 90 and 9, there was one lost. And that was out of 90, out of 100, there was 90 and 9. And one was lost. And that was 10%. <laughs> and... And he'd be quoting in the Old Testament. He says, yeah, and in the Greek it says. <laughs> and every once in a while he'd call me. It's a Sunday afternoon about 4.30. He'd call me and he'd go, I got nothing. You got to take it. I got nothing. I said, shut up. You got it. Clam. <laughs> yeah, and you wonder about the administration of a church, right? <laughs> Speaking of which, just, where's, where's where'd Ben go? Okay, you, just be ready. Three weeks ago, it's in between Sunday school and church. An usher comes walking down with 10 minutes before church starts for the AM service. Usher comes down the aisle, hands me a slip of paper. I open it up and it said, I'm sick, you got it, preacher. <laughs> 10 minutes before the service starts. You gotta be ready to preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice, and sometimes there's a lot of dying that goes on. <laughs> Folks, the point I'm trying to make with this is there is no way I could have done anything close to enabling that church to be formed if it wasn't for some rope holders. Some guy, that guy that I told you, I got nothing, I got nothing. He never missed. 
I, probably a dozen times he'd call me and say that. I said, shut up, you got it, I don't care, slam. <laughs> Never missed. Now, he'd have a field exercise or something, let me know ahead of time, and that was fine. We had a full colonel, was the chief of psychiatry for all of Korea, a Southern Baptist guy. And I'm convinced that he said, I'm going to Korea, I'm gonna join up, he was an older Hawaiian guy. Probably 50s, somewhere, somewhere in there. And I'm convinced that he said, I'm going to get hooked up with a good church over there, and I'm going to do whatever they tell me to do. This full colonel, psychiatrist, right? So he landed at our place. And we got him out passing out chick tracks. You know the little chick, you got trick, do you guys know chick tracks? Yeah. Or the gospel tracks. We got the full colonel in his 50s, psychiatrist, out on the street corner going, hi, would you like one of these? Hi, would you like one of these? Why? Because people just did what they had to do. And I'm here to tell you, of that group, I look back at the group that we were there with, 80% of them are in or were in full-time ministry. Later. Why? They're rope holders. These are individuals that weren't ashamed, weren't afraid to try something different, try something new, never done that before, I don't care, shut up, do it anyway. Okay. They're rope holders. Now, what we've got here in Revelation chapter 3, and let me kind of scoot through this. I know we've taken a lot of your time tonight. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, so then because thou were, what? Lukewarm. What did it say in 15? Cold or hot. So what I think we have here are three kinds of people in our churches that we have to deal with as leadership. First one that's mentioned in here is cold. To be honest with you, there are Christians in our churches that are cold. They'll come every once in a while on a Sunday morning. They identify with you. If somebody asks them what's, what's their church, they'd say, Heritage is. Who's your preacher? They'd say, Ah, uh, the little guy that looks kind of oriental. <laughs> but that's, that's about the extent of their tie with you. They're, they're cold. And to be honest with you, as leadership, please, you're going to take me wrong. Someone take me wrong, but I don't mean it wrongly. We don't worry about them. Pray for them, try to help them, try to do whatever, but we know where we stand with them. We, we don't count on them for anything because they're not going to do anything. You got a special day or something, they're not going to be here. You need a special offering, they don't give anyway. <clears throat> you got a need in the church or whatever, they're not involved, you, and you know what you got. Those are the cold ones. Why is that the case? Well, I'm afraid the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, I'll just read it. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness. See, the Bible also says, if any man be in Christ, he is what? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Folks, if you're saved, don't tell me for a minute that you're not different. Now, it may not manifest itself. We're pretty good at, at resisting what God wants us to do. But there needs to be something inside each one of us when we're born again that says, I need to be more Christ-like. Your preacher hit on it this morning. Remember we talked about being predestinated? That's not predestined to salvation. That is, pre we are predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of Christ. What that verse is saying is, once we get saved, there is something inside you that pushes you and pushes you and pushes you and makes you miserable and talks to you because we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. When you're saved, you have no alternative. And if that's not happening, and I'm not trying to make you question your salvation if you're saved, but I am here to say, if that's not happening, there's something wrong with what you call salvation. 
And folks, folks, waltzing down an aisle and filling out a card is not salvation. Mumbling some prayer is not salvation. We work very hard with our college students to try to make sure as they, die, as they deal with a never-dying soul that that person is right with them all the time and they know exactly if that person understands what they're saying or not. Because we don't do the one, two, three, repeat after me stuff. I heard a story told one time of a guy that was a different college. I'm not saying that we're exempt. <clears throat> but the guy was not interested that he was talking to at the door. He says, well, you don't mind, you know, if I pray for you, do you? You don't mind prayer? And the guy goes, no, that's okay. And so he starts praying. Then he says, okay, repeat after me, dear Jesus. And the guy goes, dear Jesus, take me to heaven when I die. Take me to heaven when I die. Amen. Amen. They walked away, and the guy goes to his partner. Ah, oh, that guy's saved, and he doesn't even know it. Yeah, sorry, he's not. And, and you probably aren't either. So the point of the matter is, when we are born again, we are different, and something inside us says we need to be more Christ-like. What a great message this morning out of your preacher. That's what that's talking about. When you get saved, you start down here. <coughs> Have you ever in the springtime, you guys, you guys are so spoiled. <coughs> You're in springtime already. We had 30-degree weather today, six, eight inches of snow. Okay, so don't even talk to me about your weather. <laughs> but in the springtime, you got a sidewalk, there's a crack, and, a and what's coming out of that crack? Yeah, a little weed, a little plant or something. Why? Because the living will not be denied by the dead. You ever go to the Grand Canyon? You look along the cliff. <laughs> Sorry, you know, I go to the Grand Canyon, I went, okay, what's for lunch? <laughs> But you look along the edge, and these massive boulders are being sheared off. And invariably, what's in the crack? Tree, big plant, or something. Why? Because the living will not be denied by the dead. And folks, that's your salvation if you truly got saved. The living inside you will not be denied. And sooner or later, you're going you're to be so miserable you can't handle it, or you're not saved. And I'm awful afraid some of these cold Christians that we have in our church have never been saved. One of the old, old preachers from long ago, and I was, try, I was trying for life me to remember who it was, he said, I would not be surprised if 80% of the people in our churches, good churches, I would not be surprised if 80% are not saved. That's kind of a sobering thought. So, cold Christians, we... They're not rope holders. We know we can't, we can't depend on them. All right, now you've got, I know thy works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. So now we've got the hot Christians. We don't worry about them either. The only time we worry about you is at the start of the service, we look out and you're not in the seat you're always in. We go, Where, where's such and such? Oh, she's sick or she's in the nursery. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Why? Because you're always there. A big meeting comes up, you're there. A special need comes up, you give to it. Special prayers needed, you do that. Whatever the need is, you're there, you're a part, you know what's going on. And as leadership, we know we can count on you. We don't even need to ask. We throw it out there and we know you're going to be there. And in fact, we're stunned if you're not there. Something must have happened. They're sick, they're out of town, or whatever the case may be. That's hot Christians for you. And by the way, I might mention this too. <clears throat> hot Christians, they don't really care who gets the credit. Can I tell you another story? Well, I'm, I'm going to anyway. Whether. <laughs> when we were at Brother Brown's place, um, I was teaching college, ROTC, at the University of Iowa. 
I had a bachelor's degree from the, from the University of Iowa and a master's degree from the University of Southern California in education. <clears throat> and so I'm up teaching at the university, and I get a call from Brother Brown. He says, Brother Mac, he says, we, 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 we need, we need, I need to talk to you. We need some Sunday school teachers. I need to talk to you. Can you come down? I said, sure, Brother Brown. So I'm driving down there, and I figure, well, you know, he's going to have me teach college and career or the young adults or whatever the case is. And I come walking into his office, and he goes, Brother Mac, says, I, 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 I'd like you to teach the third grade boys class. And I'm looking at him. I'm thinking. I'm not saying I'm thinking. Bill Brown, I have a bachelor's degree from the University of Iowa and a master's degree at the University of Southern California. And you want me to teach third grade boys. Sure, Brother Brown, whatever you want. And we had, we, we had a room like this big. I, I like your band, by the way. I like your band. You know, how you, you know how you get two clarinets to play in tune? Shoot one. <laughs> <clears throat> but we had a room about like, sorry, clarinet players. I, I'm a brass player, if, if you can't tell. Played the trombone, kind of let it slide lately. Yeah. So I'm in a room like this, and after one year, I had 50 kids in there. It was a third grade boys class, 50 kids in there. It's amazing what Snickers bars will do. Now, some of those third graders, I don't know, they were six feet tall and had beards, so I... Those Iowa folks grow up fast, I guess. And I had a ball. And by the way, <coughs> um, I'm, a, I'm a product of a, a lost home. Uh, my folks were very high-quality farming people from Iowa, um, but just never had a kid. In fact, I asked my dad. I said, Dad, I said, do you believe in Jesus? He said, sure. I said, do you believe he died on the cross? Yes. Rose from the dead? Yes. Well, why don't you trust him as your Savior? And he says, well, what do I need him for? Look at all the stuff I got. And I got saved when I was eight because a lady at Daily Vacation Bible School, came to my, my folks' house and said, can I take your kids to Daily Vacation Bible School? As a result of that, I got saved. My little sister did later on. <clears throat> and as far as I know, um, I don't want to put them in hell if they're not there, but I don't know that my folks ever got saved. So, kind of a sketchy background growing up, but I got saved when I was eight. What, what age is that roughly? Third grade boys class. So I had the chance to teach in that third grade boys class, the same age group that I got saved. So time goes by, Brother Brown calls me again. Brother Mike. <clears throat> yes, Brother Brown. We're going to split our junior churches, and we're going to have a bus junior church, and, 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 and a church kids junior church. I want to talk to you about it. I said, sure, Brother Brown, that's fine. And his assistant at the time was Terry Angel. Uh, got a tremendous church just south of us up there. But he was the youth pastor at the time. I was a song leader. Lots of stories about that, but we'll save those for another time. <clears throat> so I, I drive down there. I figured, you know, I got a bachelor's degree at the University of Iowa and, and a master's degree at the University of Southern California. So he's going to give me the church kids, and Brother Angel has the bus kids. I come walking in his office, and Brother Angel is sitting there smiling at me. <laughs> and, and I should have known. And he said, Brother Mike, Brother, 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 Brother Terry's going to change the church kids, and I, I want you to take the bus kids. And I look at him, and I'm thinking, I didn't say it, <laughs> Brother Brown, I have a bachelor's degree from the University of Iowa, and a master's degree at the University of Southern California, and you want me to take the bus kids? No, at Marion Avenue, they had what they called the dungeon. That's the pit at the underneath of the church. They open double doors, and you, you just know you smell sulfur. <laughs> <clears throat> It's hot, and 
We had 200 bus kids that we put in there. The first Sunday I took over, first Sunday, I got three or four of my ROTC guys, and we camoed up. And we had fake M16s, smoke, and Rambo on the tape player. Rocky, you know, shades, because you got to have the shades, you know. We come busting in the back, yelling and screaming, and the little bus kids are going, ah, we're going to die, we're all going to die, we're going to die. Slam the door shut, and I'm up there telling stories about the, the walls of Jericho falling as the M1 Abrams tanks come rolling into town and are blasting away at the gates, and they're scaling, they've got guns and stuff, and these kids are going, we never heard the Bible like this before. <laughs> You know, I'm convinced there are adults today that have a warped idea of some of these stories that came out of that class. But we had a ball. Had a, just had a ball with these kids. You can mess with bus kids, man. If you got them, you got them. So. Now, I said all that to say this. I'm not Joe Super Spiritual. Because i got to tell you, every time I'm saying, what's this guy? What's he doing? Doesn't he know who I am? It was right after that that we went to Korea and started that church. I'm absolutely convinced, and, and folks, I was busy. I was a recruiter <clears throat> at, the, at the department, taught a lot of classes, was on the road a lot. I had a, a Bible study on campus called Officers Christian Fellowship. And, and any time I could have said, Brother Brown, you know what, I just, and, and we, we were 35 miles away from there too. <clears throat> and um, any time I could have said, Brother Brown, Man, I would love to do it. I just don't think I have time with everything that I've got. And, and, and I was a song leader, uh, choir director, and, and stuff in the church, too. So I just don't think I have time to be able to do either one of those things. And nobody would have questioned it. Nobody would have thought twice about it, except God. God would have said, uh-huh, big shot. You're too much of a big shot to teach a third-grade boys class? Too much of a big shot to do junior church? You know what? I think you're too much of a big shot to start my church in Korea. I'll get somebody else to do it. I, I, folks, I'm not anybody super spiritual, but Cindy and I, we, we, we got, <clears throat> got together in college. And from college time, we prayed, Lord, if you'd use us, we just want to be used, whatever. Now, it took 15 years for God to lead us out. But I, every, every year of those 15, I can tell you something I learned that I'm using today. That, my Bible college took 15 years. You guys are lucky you get done in four. But the bottom line of that whole thing was, rope holders don't care. Whatever the need is, they're good to go. Whether, whether, they, know, whether they know what they're going to do or not. I got another message on Moses. Moses has given God a hard time because he doesn't want to talk to the nation of Israel. <clears throat> and he always got all the excuses and everything. And one of them was, I can't speak very good. Oh, oh fine, take Aaron. But you do know in like three or four chapters after that, who's doing all the talking? Yeah, that's what, that's what, it, and, and do you understand, folks, the bottom line on this whole thing is, when Moses said, what am I going to do to convince them? He was highly educated. I think he was articulate. He was a leader. He had charismatic personality. What did God tell him? What's in your hand? Got a rod. And God used that rod to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Why? What was it? It was what is already in his hand. And see, folks, God's not going to ask any of you here. You, you've got exciting days ahead. I know. We, we were at that steel 
uh, uh, point at one time. Remember, Sue? Ah, man, and, but our building was 30 miles from us. And we're and preacher was going, will my people come? Will they come? We moved the church 30 miles. Are they going to come? We don't know. Are they going to come? What's going to happen? We're not sure. And, and, and it was a concern. <clears throat> we were worried about it. Are the people going to support this? Are they going to come along with it? We just didn't know what the case was going to be. The bottom line was, we had a whole bunch of rope holders that just kept doing what they did all along. And we moved into this new facility. <clears throat> you have no idea what's ahead of you. Because we didn't. You, you think he's playing around with this singing in here stuff? What you just did will sound like a, a gnat in a rain barrel. I've, and I'm, I don't mean that unkindly. I'm just telling you right now you're under each other's armpits. And when you sing loud, you encourage the one next to you to sing loud, and then that one sings loud, and you sing loud, and everybody sings loud. When you get in that barn over there, you're going to be seated three or four chairs apart. When the trumpet... And that's exactly what's going to happen. That's just one little piece of the pie. You have no idea what's coming yet. But you know what? We have a 1,200-seat auditorium that is almost filled up completely now. Why? Because God's people said, we're with you, preacher. We'll hang in there. Amen. We'll be with you. That church in Korea would not have lasted as long as it has today if there haven't been people through history now. It's over 30 years. If there hadn't been other people that have came in behind us and those behind them and those behind them that held the rope so that that thing could continue on. You want, how about heritage? You're going to be a part of the group that in just a few years from now is filling that up and got to do something else? Or are you going to be part of the group where insulation is kind of blowing in the wind and there's no lights that are on and no cars around anymore because you didn't want to hold a rope? Folks, the ball's in your court. I have every confidence that this man and his wife and this guy here and his wife are quality individuals that God has loaned you to find out what you're going to do. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, you don't support them. God will move them someplace. And I'm not trying to threaten you. I'm just telling, I'm telling you, after being on the road for all these years, you don't support them and support God's program, he'll move them. Man, the best is yet. This is, this is an exciting time for you. But it's, but it's scary. Well, what do you think it is for him? Yeah. Brother Gomez, Brother Gomez our, our former pastor, just retired a year ago. Got a great young man in there now. He's just doing a super job, one of our graduates. Brother Gomez used to walk to the facility and say, oh, God, please let him come. <laughs> 30 miles away. We didn't lose, any, we didn't lose a single family. We had, we had probably 10 elderly folks that we bought a Greyhound bus and, and pick them up to bring them out there. And in a very short amount of time, most of them passed away. We never lost a person. Why? Because they, we believed God was going to do something really good, and we wanted to be a part of it. You know, I'd really hate to be where I'm at right now. Look, look over at what's happening at Northwest and think, you know, I didn't do anything. I didn't give anything. I didn't work extra. I didn't. That, that had nothing to do with me. Well... About two years from now, when everything's settled in and you're using this over here, where are you going to be? What did you do? 
Now, some in here, I know, it, we're not getting any younger. Paintball, <laughs> run, drop, and roll. Yeah. <laughs> if I did that one time, that'd be it. <clears throat> some, of you can't, some of you can't go and climb girders and do stuff. But there's always stuff you can do. See, God, if you don't, if you don't, God's got something for every one of us to do. I don't care who you are, or he takes you home. I mean, folks, if heaven's such a hot place, why are we still here? It's because he's not done with you. When he gets done with you or you get done with you, you're out of here. So there's always something you can do. <clears throat> and I don't know what your needs are. If it's like us, it's everything. Just because we have a big church doesn't mean we, we have all of our needs met. We need nursery workers. I filled in at the nursery one time. We had a, a church we were at in Korea. The church we were at in Korea, Germany. The, the ladies that were there had the attitude of, I don't have any kids, so I shouldn't work in the nursery. Or, I have kids, so I shouldn't have to work in the nursery. <laughs> so I said, fine, I'll do it. And I was, I was doing most of the preaching that time. It was my off night. Duct tape does amazing things. <laughs> we never had any problems with nursery workers after that. You can write letters. Who are the folks that come over here and clean the building? Who was it? I didn't see who it was. Older folks. Where? I didn't say old. We're just older, more mature. Right? God bless you. Oh, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. But God bless you. Because if you didn't, nobody would say anything. But you would know, wouldn't you? So where are you at here, huh, folks? This, this man's ready to get in a basket and is already. But who's he got holding the rope for him? Are you, gonna, are you, are you a cold church member? If you are, we don't, we don't worry about you. We pray for you and try to work with you, but we know you're not going to do anything. If you're a hot Christian, we don't worry about you. We know you're going to be there. You'll pick up whatever's needed. You'll do whatever. It's those lukewarm ones that throw us off. Because, you know, you have a revival meeting. You come forward. You say, God, let me be in the bus ministry. You work two Saturdays and never see you again. Lord, I want to give to missions. And so you give whatever it is for a couple weeks, and then that's it. We don't, we don't, we don't know what to expect from you. That, that's the hard group. And, and you, do, you want to know how you know if you're in that group or not? Special meeting is coming up. Do they come up to you and say, hey, you're going to be at the meeting? Because they don't know. The majority of you in this room, people don't even ask. Why? Because you'll be here, and not only will you be here, you'll be mad at the person that took your seat. <laughs> right? Because you got your initials carved in the back of it. <clears throat> you, you'll be here. We know you're here. We don't worry about you. But man, those lukewarm ones, you're going to be here? So, so how's it with you? Got a special meeting come up? Does anybody say anything to you? Well, then if they don't, you're either cold or hot. But if they ask, maybe you're in that lukewarm area. And it's not too late to fix that. And it's not a hard fix, but it's a pride thing. And one day in heaven, you'll answer for it. So what are you? Cold? Warm? Lukewarm? It's up to you. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. 
May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.